Can I just say, with all sincerity, dude, dude. I mean, I, 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 there used to be, a, for those of you who are new, you're like, why do they have that scaffolding there? There used to be a wall there, okay? Um, I am so excited about what God, there's, there's like a million reasons to be excited. I, I will, pro, last service I lost my place a couple times because I was like, there's not a wall there. So just so you know, that might happen again today. I'm very excited about that. Welcome, you guys. I'm glad that you're here. I want to tell you, when I think about children's ministry, by the way, as I'm, again, distracted by this wall, uh, not being there, which is a total irony. But I, um, uh, I just want to tell you what I think about children's ministry. We believe that followers of Jesus come in all shapes and sizes, and we believe that um, followers of Jesus come kid-sized as well. And um, we believe that the, the, the work that happens in our kids' ministry is enough to change the trajectory of kids' lives, and um, we believe that it matters. We believe that it's um, super critical. And I hope you caught what Susan said, that this isn't just about, hey, we have a couple spots for some people to fill, but that really we're talking about this. It's about you being able to be a part of a blessing you couldn't have without being a part of it. And you, get, you got that from Travis and Kaylee's story, too. And um, so there's a lot of great stuff happening. I, I do want you to know, I have, I mean, there, this is, so let me just do this. You guys, everybody right here, look over there, okay? And you guys right here, look over there. Now wave at each other. I am, I, I am not kidding. This happened last service. This couple has taught me on the way out. This happens all the time. And it happened, this is like one of the things I'm super excited about. couple says, we've known these people for 15 years. We've both been going to church at the same time for a year. And we didn't know we went to the same church. And we saw each other. Across the wall, I mean, we literally saw each other, and you should tell that story. And I'm like, I wish I could put you guys on stage because the, the next service won't believe me that it's true. It's for real, okay? Now, do it again, look at each other, wave again, okay? See if you recognize someone, there you go. There, this is actually what a room looks like, in case you forgot. There's like not a wall in the middle of it, all right? Very excited about what God's doing. I'm excited about our, our kids' ministry. If you're new with us, we, we say a lot, this is a church for people who, um, who have never been maybe or who have, haven't been in a really long time. We talk about the Bible. We, we're, we're a group of people trying to follow Jesus and love other people. We believe that nobody in this room has got either of those things figured out 100% and that um, nobody has all the answers. So if you're a person who is looking for people that have all the answers, that's really not us. We're trying to follow Jesus, love other people. If that's something you kind of want to be on that same journey, great. A um, couple things. This, today is a unique day for a couple reasons. One is obviously because this wall is almost completely, we'll have some scaffolding for a couple more weeks, but um, obviously this wall is almost done. Pretty soon we'll be able to like, I, I wanted to like throw beach balls across the space to each other, just so you guys remember what it looks like. Obviously that'd be, you have to be pretty precise with that setup with the scaffolding. But that's obviously the wall is one thing. The other thing is this. Today we're going to do this. We, every time we get together, we put Jesus on display. That's our hope anyways, that Jesus is on display and that people will be able to make a decision to decide what they think about him. You, you know, whether or not they choose him or not, it's up to them. But today we're going to make a special emphasis on that. We're going to kind of place some particular kind of specialness about that, which means I'm going to give you guys an opportunity to make a first-time commitment to Jesus and do it publicly, which is I know is a terrifying thing. And some of you are like, I'm not doing that. I don't care what happens. I'm not doing that. I get it. I know that's what you're thinking right now. I just want to let you know that the opportunity is going to come up a little bit later in the service, and I want to let you know about it. So special emphasis on that, and, you know, later on in the service will give you a chance to make that decision. Now, listen to this. Let's pray, and then we'll get into this series. I'm very excited about this series. I'm excited about stuff that's happening. And again, I'll lose my place again a couple times because I'll look out and not see a wall there. Let's pray. All right. Father, we are grateful that you meet us here. We're grateful that you have gathered us together. We're grateful that you are at work in our children's ministry. We're grateful for the blessing of participating in the work that you're doing in the world. 
Father, I know that whether or not it's today or it's a time that has passed or it's a time that will come in the future, Father, I know that we have the experience of being, um, not having any other place to go. That we've tried other stuff, we've wandered down paths that are empty, we've, um, we've, we've come to places where we're really hungry and really tired. And so Jesus, to whatever degree that we feel that today, whatever last resort we might feel like we're in, Jesus, would you, would you remind us that you welcome us and that you love us? That you hold us dear to your own heart, that regardless of how far we may have wandered, that you welcome us home, and that you hold us, and that you feed us, and that, Father, you give to us um, a fullness the world cannot give. So, Jesus, for just a moment, as we pause every week, just for a second, in, in stillness and in silence, might you speak to us in that stillness about how much you love us and how you intend to fill up your hungry people with the fullness of life, Jesus, that only you can give. Jesus, we receive your love and your goodness today. Father, we believe that you're on the move, that you're doing great stuff, and that we get to be a part of it. Father, might we see it and experience it in a way that we maybe haven't had before. And so, Jesus, it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, now, we are in a series called, Oh, the Places We'll Go. If you want to take out your outline, it's in your bulletin. If you want to follow along on your own in your own Bible, we'll be in um, John chapter 6 and in Exodus chapter 16. You want to follow along, great. Otherwise, everything you need will be on the screen. But um, this has been a great series. I've been talking to folks. People have had great responses to this, um, just saying God's really been at work in them. And they've been really able to kind of put words, easier for me to say, able to put words to their faith they haven't been able to do before. People are talking about things in a new way. And we talk about this summer that everybody goes places in the summer. Or if they don't go somewhere, they want to go somewhere. And that somehow the experience of going somewhere and actually being there, all of it together, it actually shapes us. It's kind of a defining moment for us. And the Bible has a bias for movement. That people wouldn't stay where they are, but that they would be moved to a new place. And in that moving, they would be shaped into something different. We've been saying throughout this entire series that, you know, the best way to answer the question about who am I or who are you may not simply be simply you know, sitting down and trying to write it out with just sentence after sentence, this is who I am. But that maybe that question is better answered but with another question, which is, well, where am I going? That probably some of the most difficult questions in our life are faced are answered not just simply by where am I now, but where am I going? And if in some way or another that identity and direction are bound together and, and we look at the Bible and see that God cares about who we are, then he must also then care about where we're going. And as we've been walking through the series, we've been encountering this one verse that's come up over and over again. It's this one. Oops. Oh, I should tell you this too. Okay, this, this is awesome. I want to go to that in a second. Kind of this verse. Psalm 32 verse 8. I will instruct you, God says, and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye upon you. In other words, where you go matters because it, it, it actually shapes who you're becoming. And so God, who cares about who you're becoming, wants to help you figure out where you ought to go. So there's so much great stuff that's been happening in this series. Very cool stuff. Um, I did just realize I skipped a, a little a slide. I want you to see this. My son was here early. He was the kid who said, I love coming to church because I get to eat candy in my dad's office. Um, that was my son, if you saw that earlier. But he showed up this morning. He gave $1 to the wall campaign. You know, he was like, I'm in, Dad, and here's a dollar. And he showed up today, and literally he showed up early with his sister who was doing the, you know, the whatever that is, that thing. 
Groove Team is what it's called. So she, you know, and I know that I just did a good job of that, so you're welcome. But um, he shows up and he sees this down, and here's what he says. This is what Amanda texted me. We just walked into the worship center and the, with the wall gone, and Scotty is in tears, four exclamation points. He's so bummed that he didn't get to literally knock the wall down. He said, I have to, I have, I, excuse me, the typo. So I gave my money. I was supposed to do that. He's so upset. So my wife says, I told him he could knock something down. Like, that's just the purview. If you're the pastor's wife, you can just, yeah, go knock something down, kid. You can knock whatever you want down. He says, my dad has to pay me back. <laughs> so he's like, hey, I gave my dollar, and I want to swing a hammer at that thing. Which, incidentally, a lot of people ask me if we could do that. Like, can we take, like, pay for hammer swings at the wall? Can we just, like, grab it? I'm like, well, unless you're an architectural engineer, you don't get to swing a hammer at the wall. But if you are, then great, go ahead. So anyway, my son was obviously really upset about it. So I told you I'd be distracted by this wall. But he wants to know when he's getting his dollar back. I don't know when that's going to happen. In heaven is what I've been telling him. Okay, now. <laughs> um, okay, so a couple days ago, or well, I should say a couple weeks ago, Amanda decides, and she decides, she's like, Jeff, you know what, I want to do this. I want to I wanna eat healthy. I want to, I wanna like, we're going on vacation, and when we get back, which is what everybody says, we're going to do whatever we want eating-wise on vacation. When we get back, we're going to, like, take it seriously. We're going to be all health, get ready for the school year, whatever. So I'm like, okay, great. So we went on vacation um, with our family, and uh, then we ate, of course, as we wanted to eat. And, and the first thing, that, of course, whenever you want to eat well is that you have to give up. You can look on your outline if you want to know what the answer is. The first thing you have to give up is what? Bread. We all know that. Now, now I grew up, I was born in, in the 70s, where the entire food pyramid is just an homage to bread. It's just like, how high can we get this pyramid full of bread? And that's how you're supposed to live. Now, we decide we're going to do this. She's like, you do it. We're all doing it. Now, granted, she's a little bit, um, she's like, we were just a little bit confused about when we were starting this 30 days of nutrition or whatever. And so I started day before her. She starts the next day. I started on a Sunday. She starts on a Monday. Now, you have to understand, Amanda is also, like, an unbelievably fit person who is a super competitive runner. Like, she doesn't run anything less than, you know, probably six miles. That's, like, if she doesn't have time. And But I maybe mean, not enough time. She's like, I only have, like, 35 minutes. I guess I'll just run six miles. And you're like, who talks like that? She's like, why don't you come running with me? I'm like, sure, I'll ride my bike and you can run. And I'll just, hurry up, come on, we got places to go. And I'm drinking the water and, you know, whatever. So, I mean, that's Amanda. She's in great, incredibly great shape. So she starts this I'm going to eat healthier thing. She eats whatever tiny little breakfast she has for lunch, a tiny little super healthy, which she perceives to be breakfast or lunch. And then my daughter, later that day, gets injured at, at camp, and we have to go to the ER. She has to get stitches in her chin, and it was fine. It's, of course, if you've never had your kid do that, it's, like, traumatic. But she's our second kid, and we're like, she'll be fine. Put a Band-Aid on it, whatever, right? <laughs> so we get her there. Uh, Amanda's in the urgent care while they're suturing her up, and she faints. My <laughs> so my, my wife is there to support her daughter, like, hold my finger, you know, hold my hand, and I'll be right here and just... Just went down. <laughs> to which the doctors there are like, get her some bread, get her some sugar. She needs to eat. And Amanda was like, diet over. <laughs> She's like, I'm done. She lasted nine hours on her 30-day adventure. <laughs> I'm in, I don't know what day, I think I'm like on day 16 or something. And I'm like, and well, she's saying to me, Jeff, I want the bread, I need the bread. Give me the bread. And trust me, and I'm, I'm in 16, she lasted nine hours. I'm in day 16 of this thing, and I'm like, there is no substitute. People are like, you can totally make something delicious out of like coconut flour and, you know, wheatgrass. <laughs> it's not bread. 
That's like a manhole cover. I think the pioneers used that stuff to form their little huts when they were trying to come. It's horrible. It's not bread. Bread is bread, okay? Let's be absolutely clear about that. Now, when we're searching for bread, the only thing that will satisfy is bread, bread not fake coconut husks or whatever it is that you call bread. Now, the universal truth is this. Every single person in the world has their bread. Everybody has the thing that if they could get it, they believe would satisfy them deeply. Everybody has that in their life. I don't care what you think about Jesus. I don't care what you think about carbs. I don't care what you think about fit. Whatever it is you think, everybody has their own bread, so to speak. And it's the only thing they imagine that will really satisfy the deepest needs of their soul. And there's another part of that truth, which is this. People always go where the bread is. People orient themselves around that place where they believe that their, their life's greatest satisfaction, the greatest fullness can be had, no matter what. Everybody does it. As best as they know how. There's a place, we, if you've ever driven um, north on the 395 to a place called Bishop, you guys know where I'm going next. There is a place, it's a bakery. It's called the Schatz Bakery. Now, it is, I don't know whether... I don't know whether it's a mind game, I don't know whether it's a magical incantation, some evil something that happens there, but you walk in there and the only thing you want is bread. And it is always crowded and it is always good. And you eat, you, everybody you're like, you know, when you, you go there, you're like, you think the bread would be good? But you don't leave with a piece of bread, you leave with loaves of it. And it's so good and there's always a line out the door because people always go where the bread is. Are you with me? now? When in the, in, the, um, it, in the Bible you have this orientation toward bread, in fact the word um, bread in Hebrew is this word right here, lehem. Now you see it over and over again. In fact the, the word bread doesn't just simply mean bread, it means all manner of sustenance, all manner of food. It means the way people are, are you know, going to be able to feed themselves. Now without bread people panic. Okay, people, without bread, without access to food, without access to bread, people panic. Now, in, um, in fact, you remember, you from history, folks, that the French Revolution was sparked by, an, by a loss of bread, right? The people are storming the, you know, the castle, whatever, and they're like, we want bread. And Marie Antoinette says, let them eat cakes. So many of you, so right on there with the history, perfect. I mean, it was like, whoa, turn the volume down, okay? I just heard everybody shout that. But yeah, let them eat cake. The bread was the reason for the revolution. In fact, I heard this week that um, the, in France, there's a 250-year-old law which says the owners of the boulangeries cannot all go on vacation at the same time because the people would be without their bread. People are crazy about bread. If they don't have it, they panic. It's the same thing that's true in the, in the, in the ancient world when God's people are leaving out of captivity from Egypt. The people are leaving from Egypt. God's rescuing them by, you know, by his own power. You've heard the story perhaps. There's this, the power of his own hand is at work, is what the Bible says. Moses is leading them out into the desert. And they've seen God's miraculous. At 45 days into the desert, they start wondering about where's the bread. Here's what it says, Exodus 16, verse 2. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. Meaning like, it'd be better to die there. We're out here 45 days in the desert, this is awful. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. In other literal translations of the Bible, this phrase, all the food we wanted, is better translated... When we ate bread to the full. Okay, you actually get literally, we ate, when we ate bread to the full. But you have brought us out into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. So they say, wow, we're out in the desert. That's great we've been rescued. 
where's the bread? We'd rather be back where the bread is. Because when we were, yes, slavery was awful, but the food was so good. It was so good. Right, we just, if we could just eat, that would be so much better. We'd rather die with a full stomach than be out here with you knuckleheads in the desert. So where's the food? Give us the bread. Here's what God says, verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. Now, I mean, how's that for service, right? <laughs> we don't know where the food is. I got it. It's coming down from heaven, okay? Now, the people are about to be fed from heaven, which is something they could not have done for themselves, right? To, to translate this, in other words, the people are wandering out. 45 days they've been out in the desert. How are we going to eat? Moses, Aaron, <laughs> we're walking with you guys, but this isn't looking good. And God says to their complaining, I'll rain down bread from heaven. To translate that, here's what this means. I will give you everything you need, my people. Your hunger will be satisfied in a way that you could neither have imagined nor accomplished on your own. You're looking at the desert going, we're going to die. If we're going to die, I would have rather died back in Egypt with the captors who had great food. And God's saying, I'm going to give you everything you need, but it will, be on your own, it will be beyond your own ability to provide it for yourself. I've got you, and I'm taking care of you, but it's not because you can do it on your own. I'm just taking care of you because you're mine, okay? Now, this idea, this whole bread story, this whole idea, this is something that's kind of, it's like stuck in the Jewish consciousness. This idea of God providing for people in a way that they could not provide for themselves is on the minds of the Jewish people, even in the first century as Jesus is, you know, in his own, um, doing, conducting his own ministry. And you see, Jesus has his own bread miracle, he has a moment where he's with these, with these people, he's been teaching all day, and he has a bread miracle. I want to give you a little bit of a backdrop to the story. And some of it's actually on your outline, you can see it, it's in, it's in John chapter 5 and 6 on there. But here's what's happening. Jesus heals a guy who's been unable to walk for most of his life. Jesus heals that guy on the Sabbath, which is a no-no, you can't do stuff on the Sabbath, you're supposed to do nothing. And people start reacting and getting a little upset about him. And they ask, they, they, they ask him this question right here. They say this. For this reason, because it's on the Sabbath, he heals a guy. They tried all the more to kill him. Like, a guy wasn't walking. Now he's walking. And they're like, well, what day was it? It's the Sabbath. Let's kill him. I mean, it's like weird, right? Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. When you see Jesus conducting sort of miraculous stuff, Often what you see that's being challenged is his authority. People are like, who do you think you are to be violating the Sabbath and doing stuff like this? Who do you think you are? That's what sort of happens in John, in John 5. Now, John 6. There's 5,000 men, the Bible says, who are gathered around Jesus as he's teaching. And they're excited about what he's teaching. They're all kind of, wow, this is amazing. He's incredibly gifted teacher. We've heard about this miracle. We're all, the crowds are swelling around him. One of the disciples says to Jesus, uh, it looks like the people are going to be hungry. we got to send them home with something to eat. Now, Jesus then says, well, how much food do we have here? Remember, there's over, it's 5,000 men are what are counted. So you can imagine it could be up to 15,000, 20,000 Who knows how many people are there? And he goes, well, how much food do we have? Here's kind of where we pick up the story. Another one of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. And he said, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Okay, so Jesus is like, well, how much do we have? Let's go with that. Verse 10, Jesus said, have the people sit down. And there was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. So you get the idea of the scope of people that are there. Verse 11, Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. 
he did the same with the fish. So there's a group of hungry people who are out apart from the, the, the town. They're out kind of in the countryside. Jesus then begins to go, look at their need. Let's feed them. And none of them are like, I wish I could have had more. In fact, what they find out, there's actually some leftover stuff there. And there's this group of people now watching Jesus, aware of his ability to feed. And they start kind of going, wow, this is amazing. Here's a person who can all, essentially make bread from heaven. I mean, it's kind of like the same thing, right? I mean, he's multiplying stuff. What wasn't there is now there. At least it's what it seems like to me, right? There's just all this food now. And the people are watching Jesus, and they're looking at him and going, if this is a person who can help us, a group of people who are 95% at least incredibly poor, who buy their food only for that day. So when they pray things like, God, give us this day our daily bread, they're literally saying we only have enough to make it for today. And here's this person who can provide an overabundance of food. He's going to get a following. He's going to get a group of people who can walk with him. And they're beginning to swell in attendance. They're beginning to th start thinking, this person might be someone we ought to pay attention to. First, so Jesus then, uh, he gets into, he gets into a, um, a boat after his little teaching. He goes across, the, or I'm sorry, his disciples get in a boat, go across this lake. It's a stormy night. Jesus famously walks on the water. Perhaps you've heard of that before. He gets out on the other side. The crowd follows him, and they're asking him questions like, hey, when did you get here? We want more of what you got before. And here's kind of their conversation, verse 26, skipping down a little bit. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate loaves and had your fill. To which they're kind of like, no kidding. You were hungry, and now we're not. We want more of that, okay? Now, what you see in the book of John, always in the gospel of John, he uses the word signs instead of the word Miracles. Oh, it's the word Simeon. I think I put that on your notes. But the idea is that everything Jesus does is something that points to something else. So it's not just simply that he does a miracle like, that's great, bring out the next act. It's like, what is this telling us? And Jesus is saying, you, you didn't see the signs that are really we're talking about here. You're, not, you're no longer hungry, right? Now, here we go. Skipping uh, verse 27. Here we go. Don't work, he says, for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. Which the Son of Man, this is a title Jesus often refers to himself as, the Son of Man, will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. So he says, I got superfood. You guys have been eating bread and it's been good, but I got a new food pyramid. And it's based on something that endures to eternal life. That gives you the richness, the fullness of life you've been hoping for. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? In other words, here's what they're saying is. We know nobody gets the food for free. We, just, we live in that world, you work hard and you, you earn your own keep. And they're saying, okay, well, what does God want us to do so we can have this food that goes on forever and ever? Now, notice Jesus' answer. They expect that Jesus has an answer for them, but they don't expect this answer. Verse 29. Jesus answered, the work of God. What you've got to do to get this kind of life is to believe in the one he has sent. And it isn't to do all kinds of stuff. It isn't to get your act together. It isn't to be morally perfect. It isn't to do all, it isn't to follow a set of rules. It's to do this one thing, to believe in the one he has sent. Now we're going to come back to believe in a moment. But I just want you to capture something. The idea of belief isn't simply to acknowledge with our brain, a mental ascent is what that's called, that Jesus is who he says he is. Well, he, he must be the son of God and all that. That's not it. It's something different. What Jesus is going to talk about, and particularly the way you see it in the, in the gospel of John, is he says, it's not just simply to believe, like to think about something, it's to be embedded in. 
And the way Jesus talks about belief is going to actually kind of mess with these people a little bit. Because he starts going on a conversation about something kind of unique. Look how he engages this conversation. Now remember, they're being asked, what do I got to do to eat this kind of bread that gives me the fullest possible life? The life I've always wanted and dreamt about. And he says this. So they asked him, this is kind of awesome. What sign will you then give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Now, remember, they've heard of or seen a guy who was once crippled, now walking. He's now, Jesus has fed 5,000 men and those families out of just a little bit. And they're going, oh yeah, but what else can you prove to us that we should listen to you? Can you do like another thing? Like do a, can you float? Can you do a, you know, can you turn my brother into something? Whatever else it is. I mean like, they want something else. What will you do? And they say, hey, our ancestors ate manna, which, you know, we just talked about. That's that bread from heaven, which in Hebrew, manna means what is it? Literally, it means what is it? Like, we don't know what to call it. Call it manna, because we don't know what it is. Our ancestors ate the what is it in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. So they say, Jesus, do that. The bread from the already existing bread, that's kind of like a junior varsity kind of miracle. We need something a little bit more awesome. We want bread to fall down from heaven like our ancestors had. Now here's what Jesus answers. Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it's not Moses who has given the bread from heaven, but it's my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. <coughs> Sorry, for the bread, bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they're like, great. That sounds awesome. Because... We've seen everything you've got. We like the idea of bread that comes down from heaven. We want to see that. Give us that bread. Verse 34. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. I mean, we're not messing around with wonder bread anymore. We want that bread. The bread that makes up. We want that that you're talking about. How do we get it? What do we got to do? We want, we want something that satisfies. Now, here's what I think about that. I think everybody's essentially asking that same question. I think everybody in the world is essentially saying, I have been trying to eat or been trying to fill myself up with stuff and it has always left me empty. I want that my life would look full and rich. I want for my family to have a, a fullness of a relationship. I want there to be something in my own relationships which works things out that I never could have thought of. And there's a part of my own soul that has never been fully satiated and I need something there and I don't know what it is and nothing else is satisfied God, give us that. Always give us that thing. I mean, we are desperate for something. We are so hungry. This past, a couple weeks ago, I think I sent you guys, if you, were, if you read the, I don't, there's like, like eight people, I think my mom and my aunt are the most you know, frequent readers of this, which is our compass note, which you send out every week. I write a note every week on Thursday. You can sign up for it on our website. But I write a note. And a couple weeks ago, I sent out a link to a video. I want to show you if you guys didn't see it. Um, in just a moment, but there's a story about, there's this incredible, ex there's this explorer, this expedition where this guy is hiking solo to the South Pole and back. And he is, it's about a 90 day journey from where he sets out, it's like base camp, to go to the South Pole and back. Now here's what he does. It's this Norwegian explorer who's basically this professional adventurer. And here's what he does, is he sets out, he leaves things that he'll need on his return journey or things that he thinks, I don't need that until I'm on my way back. So a couple days in, he digs a hole, puts some stuff in there, and then continues to hike all the way out to the South Pole and now back again. Now on his return journey, he, does it, he says in this video, he's a Norwegian explorer who, by the way, you should probably turn the captions off if you're going to watch it with kids because he swears in Norwegian. But I'm counting that none of you know what 
how to speak Norwegian when you see it in a second. So if you do, don't tell me about it, okay? So, but he, he talks about how he's, he's intentionally left things that he wants, but he doesn't mark what they are. He doesn't record them so that when he discovers them, it'll have more like kind of joy about it, right? It's really kind of clever. So it's day 86. By this point, he's been by himself for 86 days. He's lost 55 pounds, okay? He is incredibly hungry, okay? Now, here's what he discovers on day 86. He's four days from being done all by himself. Check out this kind of satisfying longing he's got. Check this out. Okay, what he, what he says is, like as he's wandering, he's looking through all the stuff, he's like, I wonder what's in here. And then he goes, he, obviously, yeah, right? Yeah, and then he, he's like, I wish someone was here to share this with me, how great news this is. And you can see he's looking across the desert of Antarctica, like, <laughs> no, this, nobody's, yeah, and then he does it again. And he goes, he walks over and he says, oh my gosh, it's a double pack of cheese doodles. <laughs> if you watch again, you can hear him say clearly, Cheese doodles. That was my impression of Norwegian, by the way. You can hear him say it. And he's so excited. It's like I could never have been satisfied by anything else in my entire life. I wanted that so bad. My soul. I'm so hungry. Last words he says in that video, by the way. I'm so hungry. The people are looking at Jesus who has given them all of this stuff, has given them food, and they're looking at him and going, we're still hungry. And he goes, I know you're still hungry. There's another kind of hunger that is different than simply you looking at your own life and going, man, I just want to try a little bit more stuff or I want a little bit more food. He's like, there's a deeper kind of hunger. He says this then in verse 35. Then Jesus declared, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And they're saying, my God, that's what we want. We've been chasing our appetites our whole lives and we're still Wondering why we're so hungry. He'll later go on to repeat it a little differently. In verse 51 he says this. I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. Now Jesus is saying. God provided for the ancestors, which you, they are now highlighting. Like, hey, remember when God did that with Moses? He's saying God provided for them with bread from heaven. It was great. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Now remember the question these people started with, which is, how do we, Jesus, how do we eat this bread? How do we get to this bread? How do we do the works that God has called us to do so we can eat this bread? And they, and he says, he says, you got to believe. And then he goes into a long conversation about what believing looks like, about eating bread. 
In other words, what he continues to be saying is it seems like belief is about taking something in, assimilating something, or in this case, someone into our own lives. It isn't simply acknowledging that Jesus is something or someone. Instead, it's that God is somehow indwelling us that we take him in and he lives within us. This is what he seems to be saying. Now the people are over, well I should say this too. There's a, um, there's a weird kind of curiosity in the biblical narrative. Like bread, like I said, bread's kind of a big deal. Now, I just want you to see this. That almost as if the entire Bible is pointing to this moment in which Jesus identifies himself as this bread of life. Now, in Hebrew, the word Beth means house. Okay, you're like, where are we going? The word Beth means house. So some of you are named Beth. I don't know if that's good or bad for you. Okay, right, but that's house. Brick house, right? Commodores. Okay, now, listen. That may not have been a good idea to say that. I don't know. Okay. The word for bread, lehem. What is the city of Jesus' birth? The house of bread. He's born in Bethlehem. The bread of life is born in the bakery. The whole biblical narrative seems to point to this moment in which Jesus is the bread of life. That people who have been wandering, who have been looking, searching all over their whole life for something to satisfy the deepest hunger of their soul. Jesus, the bread of life, is born in the house of bread to satisfy the deepest longing of people's souls. Remember, people always go where the bread is. God's intent is to satisfy the deepest longings of our soul with his own son, the bread of life, born in the city called the house of bread. How much longer will we continue to search for meaning and hope and purpose and fulfillment in the things which will not satisfy the deepest longings of our soul? And Jesus tells these people, all this whole crowd of people, a lot of them are religious leaders. He starts talking about this bread of life that he is and all of who he intended them to to be as they follow him. And they get all excited. They get so excited. Here's what happens. Verse 66, big news. Yay, Jesus is the bread of life. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Remember, disciple is a word that means, you know, largely means follower or apprentice. You have this huge hordes of people who have been fed by the miraculous power of God on, by this, on this hillside with Jesus. They're so grateful, they're so excited, and they, they follow Jesus. They try to find him as him and his disciples go across the lake. Jesus, of course, walking across it, how, you know, however that works. And then his, all of this, this group gets in their own boats and they follow him and they're so excited and they say, we're still so hungry, give us the one thing that satisfies. And he tells them, it's me. And they say, not enough. It's just not enough, Jesus. We, we don't think you're enough. And I get that a lot of you in this room are like, look, I've looked at Jesus, I've looked at people who follow Jesus. I don't think he meets the real needs of my life. I just don't think he does. And let me just tell you, you'd be a good company of people who like walked, looked at Jesus and went, nah, I don't think so anymore. I get it. That's what happens here. Jesus, you've got to imagine, is somewhat crestfallen. He looks at his own disciples, which we'll see in a second. He kind of narrows it down to a group of people called the 12. Here's what he says. You don't want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. I mean, this is kind of a tender moment. He's seen the droves of people who have come around him who are all excited about the work that he's doing and then they all just go, nah, whatever. And then he looks at his own inner circle and he goes, are you guys still in? 
you guys still want this? It's hard. You still want to follow me? And I was thinking this week as I was of a friend who's, um, yesterday she gave birth to twins. <laughs> and I just found out about this news and I thought, you know, like when you, when you become a parent, here's what happens to you. You are so excited. You get, you know, in this case you get two, <laughs> two kids. And then here, all parents know this. Your life is over. <laughs> Everything you thought about your life before, it's over. And new parents always try to, like, keep their life exactly the same. I'm never going to buy a minivan. <laughs> Just keep believing, okay? You're going to buy a pseudo minivan anyways. You're going to buy, like, it's a, it's, not, it's a Ford Flex. It's not a minivan, okay? You're, you're going to buy a minivan. It's just not called that, okay? Some of you are like, oh, I have one of those. That's lame. Okay, it's, it's great. I love it. I own a minivan. Okay, anyway, some of you are all, I'm going to get emails about that. But you get a kid. And your life is over, and the truth is, it's totally different than it ever would have been. I would say even more, more literally, your life is ruined. <laughs> and you would never trade it for anything else ever. Ever. The same thing is true with faith. And Jesus is looking at his disciples going, I know it's tough. I say some weird things. I call people some pretty crazy stuff. Like thinking really differently about their money. I, I talk about compassion and forgiveness in a way the world doesn't. I talk about the way in which we're going to love each other in real radical and selfless ways. I know it's hard. It will ruin your life forever in the best way. Are you sure you guys still want it? Here's what Peter says. I think this is probably the most important question maybe in the Bible. Because it's the most practical question. Here's what he says as he looks at Jesus. Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom should we go? We have tried everything else that there is. And none of it, despite how hard it is to walk with you, Jesus, none of it measures up. None of it's worth it. He continues on. You have the words of eternal life. We've come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Everything else, Peter is essentially saying, is an imitation and we're going to stick with you. We're choosing you, Jesus. To whom should we go? My guess is that a number of you are in a situation where you're like, well, Jesus is the last alternative. I've tried everything else. I get that. He is a controversial person who says weird things. And we, a lot of us want to know, well, if I say yes to Jesus, what kind of association with all those crazy people who follow him do I have to make too? Because there have been some lame ones. I know that there's that, that's part of that hesitation. I realize that. You might be thinking, and you're one of the lame. I get it. I know. It's possible. I'll tell you a story. This past week, this is... <laughs> When I tell you this, you're going to think, you made this up for this message. I promise I did not. It's just this awesome. Amanda, my wife, gives a, um, she gives a, a gift to our friend Holiday um, a, of a, a candle in the shape of a bunt cake. Okay, which my kids kept referring to as a butt cake. Which I was like, bunt, bunt cake, bunt cake. Kids, okay? So you can imagine if you thought it was what I just said, what the picture I'm going to show you in a second might look like. But they, there's a bunt cake candle. Now, it's a, it's, it looks and smells like a, a cake. I mean, it looks really, here it is. I'll show you the picture. Here's the bun cake candle, okay? Looks delicious, doesn't it? Okay. Let's bear in mind, there is actually fire on top of here. It's a candle, okay? Now, my friend's son, who is not three years old, he's 11. He can, I mean, you can tell it's a candle, right? Anybody in doubt about what these things are on the top? These are flames, those are wicks, right? In the span of about 20 minutes, 
he walked over while it's lit and tried to like wipe the frosting and like eat it. And because it wasn't moving, he broke off a piece of the fake wax frosting and ate it. He was like, <laughs> minutes later, undeterred by the fact that it is a burning candle, he puts his finger in the hot wax next to the flame and tries it now, thinking if it's in liquid form, that will be better. So he has to endure the lava hot wax, which he puts in his mouth. That's terrible. We're like, it's a candle. Again, he comes back, this time trying to poke into the side of the cake as if it were a real cake to like gouge it and get some of it. You can see where he gouged it on the actual, this is, the, this is a picture of the actual candle, by the way. Or he tried to gouge it. It didn't work again. I'm like, again, this is not a three-year-old who cannot figure, th it's like he's, he just doesn't want to believe as good as it smells and as wonderful as it looks, and it is warm, <laughs> there's fire on it. I mean, no matter what, we, he just doesn't want to believe that it's an imitation. I think for us, and in my own life it's true as well, how many times in my life have I been going back to the same things, hoping that this time when I try to sample them, they'll be different or better or good, but it's always the same. It's just a fake. It's sometimes it's a really good imitation. And I wind up wondering why it doesn't actually satisfy like a real cake should. How many times have we done that in our lives we've gone? I keep going back to the same thing, believing it's going to be different this time, and it never changes. It doesn't really satisfy the deepest longings of our soul. All of us in this room are trying to build our lives around something that we think will give us the greatest and fullest possible life. And we want to know, is it enough? Is it enough to give you the life that you have hoped? Is it, is it enough to give you the kind of longings of your soul, to meet those longings of your soul? We all want to know, is it enough? And some of us are now asking the question in a very real way. Some of us have been thinking about it for a long time, been in church for a long time. Maybe you grew up in a church, but you know, like you had a Christmas tree and you went to church a couple times a year, or you talked about, but you never really understood what it meant to believe, which is this kind of taking in of Jesus into our own lives. You never fully understood that. And now you're asking a question which all of us ask at some point in our lives, which is this, and I'll put it more directly to you. Just where else would you go? You wanna go somewhere else? You wanna try to go to some other person or some other thing that might give you the fullest possible life? Where else would you go? For some of you, I realize Jesus is the first best option. For others of you, I realize Jesus is the best of the worst options that you have. I have nowhere else to go. And maybe today is a day in which you go, I'm going to say, I'm going I'm to take Jesus seriously. I've been coming to church for a long time. I've been dancing around it. Your friends who invited you probably have been saying stuff to you that's weird to you. Like, I've been praying for you. And you're like, stop it. Just send me an email or, you know, something. I don't, stop praying. praying. I don't know what that is. But there's something about you that you cannot deny, which is that you are a hungry person who has been unsatisfied with the way the world has been trying to provide for you. And maybe there's something more. And just maybe the bread of life that Jesus is self-identifying as wants to give you a life that you could not have without him. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. The band is going to come up. We're going to, basically, we're going to pray a song together. But here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray right now, and then we're going to give you a second to think about stuff. And then I'm going to do this really incredibly courageous and scary thing for you. It's not scary for me, it's scary for you. So here's what I want you to do. In a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to stand up in holy terror. I know, it's like the scariest thing in the world. 
to stand up and say the words, I believe. Okay, in a moment. Not yet. Some of you are like, I want to do it right now. Don't. Not yet. Okay. And it will be, what we talk about our weekend service all the time, we talk about this place, is a, we, we, do the, we work hard to make this to be a safe place to make very courageous and dangerous decisions. And so this is what's going to happen in a little bit. Some people are going to make some courageous decisions and we're going to celebrate with them. But it will be courageous. So here's what's going to happen. I'm going to pray. Band's going to come up and then I'm going to come back up and I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. All right? Let's pray. Jesus, I know some people are squirming in their seats. They know there's a sense that you maybe have been talking to them and kind of messing with them, helping them to, to get a sense, God, that you are at work in their own hearts. Father, you call us to walk with you. You don't make prerequisites on who comes to follow you. You simply say, all who are hungry, all those who are thirsty, Father, you want them to come to you. And what we say in response to that, Father, is all I am. Everything I've got is yours. I've tried it on my own. Everything else has been a, a fake. Everything else has been just barely a good imitation. And so, Jesus, we come to you today longing to be filled. Some of us maybe just to be refilled. But, Father, we need you. And we seek you. And we long for the life that only you can give in all of that fullness. And so, Father, for those who are going to make a decision in just a few moments, would you remind them that this is a, it's a safe place to make a very courageous, very dangerous decision. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Check, check, check. Okay, we're going to do it out of order. <laughs> Clearly that's not what God wanted us to do. Some of you are already standing, ready to go, way to go. Okay, we're just going to do another order. Okay, we were going to sing, kind of warm the crowd up a little bit. <laughs> oh, well, we're warm. It's hot, okay? Uh, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> we're still going to sing that song, it's just out of order now. Here's what we're going to do. Edwin, will you bring the house lights up? Okay, you had your moment to think about it. Okay? <laughs> now. God is calling to people who want to walk with him, who are saying the lot, that the world itself has been unsatisfactory in providing for me the deepest needs of my soul. Some of you have walked down that journey a long time and you've been putting off this kind of decision for a very long time. Now for some of you, this, I mean, now what we're talking about here is a first time decision to say, I'm going to choose Jesus. And I realize what I'm asking you to do is scary. And if I didn't want it to be scary, I mean, I, I guess some way I would have had it all be dark. I would have had you text me a little note or something that's like, a secret person today said yes to Jesus, but I think there's something about it being courageous that makes it real in front of people. And so, is there anybody in this room who goes, for the first time, I'm choosing Jesus, and here's what I want you to do. If that's you, then I want you to stand up and say this incredibly brave thing, which is something some people weren't willing to say, follow Jesus, which is, I believe. Anybody want to do that? First time, I want to stand up and say, I believe. First person's the hardest person. Everybody's kind of like, should I do it? Wants to do it. 
you're coming forward. You can... <laughs> Good. Stay standing. Wait. Stay standing. Stay standing. Stay standing. You've already like you've already identified yourself as someone who wanted to come to the front. You're bold. Stay standing. Yes. Yeah, stay standing. Okay. Good. Good. Anybody else want to join her? Anybody else want to join her? Some of you're like, I really needed that song. Anybody else going? I want to make I, I want to make it real. I've been coming to church. I've been kind of dancing around it for a while. I want to make this decision a for real decision in my life. Safe place, dangerous decision. Everybody's crossed that line at some point. Yeah, dude, right on. Great. Anybody else? Stay, oh, don't stand up. Don't, stand up don't, don't flinch. You're making me nervous. There you go. Stay standing. Anybody else? Good job. Wow. Some of you, some of you have the sense about, man, I need... I have more questions and they're not answered yet. And once they get answered, I'll say yes. Let me, if you heard me say this at the beginning, let me just reiterate, didn't hear it. We are people who do not have all the answers. In fact, I would say it's precisely why we choose Jesus, because he doesn't require us to have all the answers to follow him. And maybe that's you. You're going, I don't have all the answers yet. Neither do I. Neither do I. Anybody else? Say it. Good job. Now. Notice, you guys can see each other. You guys, look over there. See those people. See that? See that? They're standing up. You're celebrating with them. You guys can see them standing up over there, too. Pretty rad, huh? Okay. Anybody else? Nice. Great. It's a scary thing. Dangerous thing to do. Anybody else? All right, let's stand together. Wait, in fact, let's just all stand together. And then what I want you to do, if those of you guys who stood up to say I believe, after the service, come forward, people to pray with you and kind of give you some next steps to take, all right? Let's stand together. And now, are we going to sing? Does it work? Are we on? Can we let it, can you do it? Okay. All right, so we're going to celebrate with these folks. And then I'll come out, we'll close our service in just a minute, all right? Let's, one more time, give these guys, let them know. Let's try to be after that. Check, check, wait. All right? Check. Now we're going to sing, we're going to celebrate, and I'll close the service in a minute. Sure. All right, let's sing. Do it. Okay. Is it working? Is this on? Check. You guys hear me? All right, let's celebrate, everybody. Put your hands together. Oh, 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 oh,
called the benediction at the end of the service. We conclude the service. Before we do that, is there anybody else who was like, you know, I've just, that was my, I, I'm glad I made it through that time. I didn't have to stand up. If he says it one more time, I'll do it. Okay, but here's your other time. Anybody else going, and we're all standing. I know that the, th the terror is a little bit minimized, but that means you have to put your hand up, okay, really loud. So, and then hand up really loud. Hand up and then say really loud, I believe. Anybody else go, this is an opportunity. I want to take it. I don't want to miss it. I don't, this might be the craziest thing I've ever done in my life, but I'm doing it. Anybody else? Just give you one more shot. I believe. No way. Great job. Yeah. No way. <laughs> okay. Glad I, I'm glad I said that. Anybody else? Wow. Whoa. Whoa. Sheesh. Wow. Well, careful. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Woo. Okay. Great job. Great job. Right here, too. I see that. Good job. <laughs> okay. Wow. All right. Anybody else want to try to match that excitement? That was awesome. That's great. Anybody else? All right. We do as we conclude our service, we hold our hands out. Do you hold your hands out? Nothing magical about this. It's just simply a way in which we say, God, all I am is yours. Whatever I've got, I put in your hands. I surrender to you. Do you receive this blessing? Father, we are a group of people who have known hunger. We've known thirst. And we're looking to you, Father, to fill us of those needs. Jesus, whether we're still not sure about you, whether we're just going to keep coming, keep investigating to see if maybe there might be something that sparks in us that maybe we ought to choose you. Father, we all, or, we've, or people who have been walking with you for a long time, we all know hunger and we all know thirst. And we know, Father, at least for a little bit. Maybe there's, we at least can identify with your intention to fill us to the fullness. Jesus, this week, might we walk in that fullness. Might we take one more step in understanding what it means to leave behind the world a little bit of all of its fake, false promises and take in more deeply your fullness of life that you give to us. Jesus, might we live out that fullness in gratitude and joy and compassion and, and warmth and forgiveness in the people around us that they might see you and your desire to love them as well. And so, Father, it's in your name we pray. Amen. So good to be together. A great weekend. All right. God bless you guys.